0: Before we continue with our worship, I wanted to just share with you that, indeed, thank you, Richard, for sharing um, and congratulating me on 20 years of my ordination, but there are two things for me that come out of my ordination. First of all, that it is a reminder of servanthood. I am a servant among you all. There is no place of honor above you. I come alongside you to serve you. The second is, of course, in the words of my colleague and great friend, the Dr. Peter Langeman of the Presbyterian Church, who says, all of us who stand in ministry are just reminded we have more feet to wash than anyone else. So 20 years of ordination work and witness and ministry is exactly that for me serving and serving you well I trust I have and also a reminder that I've more feet to wash. But I'm very thankful to God for his hand upon my life and for bringing me thus far so Indeed, I want to use the word this morning, Ebenezer. And the meaning of Ebenezer is, Year two, the Lord has been with me. I'm thankful to God for the church into which I was ordained and where I form a part. I know that in some circles I'm welcomed with open arms, and in others, I am a thorn in the flesh, but all of this because of my obedience to the call to be honest, to be truthful, and to stand for what is right. All of that comes with a cost. I'm thankful to this church, St Barnabas, where my ordination and my vows were shared And significant, I must share to you that the two of the four people that were present, of the many clergy people, the two people present that day that conferred upon me the prayer of ordination and the vows were Chunky Young, who is no more, and the Reverend Cliff Leo, who was stabbed to death while walking on the beach in East London. Thankful I am to God, for those to men and for the others, men and women that are still alive. I'm thankful to you St Barnabas, you've changed and I have changed. We look very different to when we did 20 years ago, but I'm thankful for the seasons that we have seen and we will continue to experience. I'm thankful to my family, to Denzel, to Carol Ann, And to Aidan for their sacrifice and for their understanding. Never a complaint, never an issue as long as I cook before I go anywhere. (laughs) I am permitted to go. Carol Ann was this high when you all know, some of you will know this very well, very difficult hair to comb. Tina Turner, Donna Summers, And I was away and Carol Ann needed to look decent. And Denzel looked at all of this and took her to a friend, a colleague's wife. And all he said was, please sort out this child. She looked very different when my friend's wife was done with her. But instead of creating an issue of my absence, there was an understanding that I was doing my father's work. So I'm grateful to them. 20 years of ministry, of servanthood, of washing feet. Obviously, you must know that I have learned, and I've learned much. I've struggled, and some of you have been aware of it. I've cried, I've cried with you, I've cried for you. I've laughed, and you all know that I can do that very well. From a very deep place within my belly, I can laugh, and I can laugh at life. I've been hurt, but I've also learned to forgive. So today I pray that you will forgive me if I've caused you to cry, stopped you or prevented you from laughing, didn't do what you had expected me to do, or if I have caused you hurt. I've been blessed within the context of this community. I've had the greatest of mentor in Stephen Simkins. He was a profound teacher. He was gentle and kind and non-intrusive. Stephen had two important lessons that I took from his teaching, the first, Stephen said to me, and it is in the pulpit of this particular church and the communities where Stephen worshipped and worked, there are three words in our pulpit, and I remind you of it, and the words are, if I speak. And Stephen's reminder to me was simply the powerful, powerful place we have as clergy when we speak, and to use it wisely. I pray that I could do that. But I also know that my calling to ministry was not to make you feel good and to say the things that you want to hear only, but to speak God's word with conviction, and it often makes us uncomfortable. The second lesson I take from Stephen is one of the greatest things that I've learned. People matter most. So you all know, and this is my last public confession, I hate meetings. (laughs) They are not life-giving, but it has its place. But if I ever have to choose, sitting beside you, or you, or any of you, walking with you, taking you to hospital, whatever it is that I need to do, if ever I had to choose a meeting over the people, I will always choose the people. You've invited me into your spaces, very intimate spaces, things that I've carried here and things that I still carry here, A lot more that I carry very deep within my core. My suitcase of 20 years is quite heavy. But thank God for wheels. I can now pull it and not carry it any longer. Your invitation to walk alongside you and your families I have never taken lightly. Whether it's the joys where we could dance and laugh or whether it was the struggles where we cried and prayed, or even the times where I, like you, had to sit in silence and wait on the Spirit. I've never been uncomfortable with silence because I'm always the first to confess I do not hold all the answers to your questions. I thank you for your patience and your understanding. I've spent many, many hours at bedsides, on couches, under trees, in cars, on phones. Have you ever had a phone call from somebody crying where you put the phone down and you decide, okay, I'll start cooking, and you're finished and the person is still on the phone and they haven't said a word? I've done a few of those in my life but in the end when the tears are no more and the person says, thank you for listening. I would have pleased God just in that moment. So a couple of my colleagues my age have celebrated 20 years this year. I've been partying hard because they've had parties. I won't have a party. Instead, I'll share it with you today. And so the question one of my colleagues asked last week, will we do it again? I had to think about it. Because I've seen the ugly face of the church. Not this church. I'm talking the church as a denomination. But as I come to you today, my answer is a very clear Concise, emphatic, if at St Barnabas, my answer is yes. And if I had to give the reasons why, it is because of all of you. I've been gifted in the 20 years in tangible ways. On the 19th of January, some of you may be aware that I celebrate 20 years being in this church. I had a total office revamp. Some of you must come and visit me. It's called the Upper Room because you climb six stairs. (laughs) It's called the Upper Room. Uh, It has a lovely, lovely setting. And Arnold spent a week painting, moving things. And he said to me, I don't want to be paid for any of this. I do it with love. Richard, behind the scenes, have maneuvered. So I walk into church on the 19th, and I have no office. I can't find a paper, a pen, nor my books. And all I had to say to myself, it's okay, just Breathe. I've been gifted in gifts that money cannot buy. I can never repay you for any of that. My ministry has been one that is non-intrusive. But I also know that I will never be bullied. I'll never play dead and roll over. I will stand for the truth. So I pray that after 20 years, that I have been a gift to you. Attentive, responsive, and gentle in my response. Thank you for the service of the 19th. Thank you for the organizing thereof. Thank you to the Minister of Finance, who is very, very strict with the finances of the church but he did permit a gift to be bought on behalf of the church. Richard, was it on behalf of the church? On behalf of the church. You know, if I don't have my glasses on, I can't hear. (laughs) I wore the gift on Tuesday evening for the church council to see. I'm thankful to you because of the symbolism of what it is. Thank you for all that served and brought on the day. Thank you for the words spoken by Sydney and Philip and Sue and Alan, the word that was read by Hugh Rocky and Mary Jane, and the prayers by Patty and by Nicolette. Thank you Roger and Judith for the gifts and for everything that you did in putting it all together. So my choice is to celebrate 20 years with you today. It matters to me that you pay attention. Some of you remember my children's birthdays. Some of you pray for us. Some of you ask how we are. It matters that we matter to you. I'm thankful. So today I want for you to sing with me the hymn of my choice as I give thanks to God for 20 years of his grace. So I chose this hymn and I want for you to sing it with boldness as we come before God, the hymn 223. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me. As you do this, give thanks to God with me for all of you and for his grace. Thank you. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, Lord Jesus, be acceptable in your eyes. I rock our strength and our redeeming you, Lord. We, your people, put our trust. Amen. People of God, many times we, God's people, have questions for God We may ask God, why is it that this particular tragedy happens to me? We may ask God, why me, Lord Jesus? We may ask God, why do you do this to me when we have an affliction? Or perhaps, like Paul puts it, in more understandable terms for us, a thorn in our flesh. Some of us are bolder, we even ask, is it possible that I can win the lotto? But have we ever considered that God asks questions of us? Occasionally, God will ask a question of you and of me. Today, I want to begin with a series of those questions as we find them in Scripture. And over the next few Sundays leading us to Easter, I'm going to invite you into that particular moment of considering with me the questions that God asks of us. So let's consider our reading of today. Moses was given a huge task a task that was much bigger than he could accomplish on his own, and he was very mindful of the fact that he couldn't do it in his own strength. And so the task set before Moses was so huge, you would have noticed in the reading of this morning that Moses felt intimidated and Moses felt overwhelmed. We also know from encounters that Moses, the Hebrew Egyptian of Pharaoh's court, was not always as brave as he made himself out to be. But here, friends, Exodus 4, God asked Moses a question, and this comes after the burning bush incident, where God calls Moses and he says, Moses, take off your sandals. You were standing on holy ground. Further to that, God then says to him, I want you, Moses, to go back to Egypt, to Pharaoh's court, and tell them this, they need to let my people go. So Moses starts making excuses to God. Not me. I'm old. I don't have the same eloquence as the others. I cannot speak. He goes on and he says, What if they don't accept me and and, and say, how can it be that you come in the name of the Lord Jesus? God responds and asks Moses a question. What is that in your hand? Upon which Moses then says, but you know, God, this is a staff. And I want for you and I, as we've come along four weeks into the new year of me preaching and journeying with you, if you had considered that you've been called to do something specific by God within the context of St. Barnabas, the wider church for that matter, and let's be honest, as you reflect upon that, if God has called you to something specific, did you make an excuse of some sort, or did you... Consider and go and do it. When God calls people of God, he answers your excuses. He did with Moses and so it is with us. What is in your hand? What have I gifted you with already? What is available that is underdeveloped, underutilized? Perhaps you are fearful of using it What is in your hand? One of the things that the three people closest to me dislike most about me is the fact that I remember things. Anything you dislike about me? And so I like personal conversations like the one I had on on Tuesday evening with the potential new members coming into membership because I was listening with attentive ears to the nuances of where the gifts are so that we can welcome them into coming alongside us in the mission of God. Consider what is in your hand. Understanding that we don't need to be our best, we don't need to be the smartest, we don't need to be the handsomest, or the richest, or whatever. But what God is calling you to is is, is a place of partnership, a place of trust, a place of faithfulness. I've gifted you with a gift, and I'm asking you to unpack that gift and to make it available for the kingdom of God. Jesus met a man, and Jesus said to him, Go and grow my church. The man said, I'll do that, but first I need a building. Then I need surround sound system. Then I need a digital screen. And I know many of you have this request. How about a band, Reverend Heidi? You know a band? A real band with drums and the works, Reverend Heidi? Come and be the band. The invitation as we consider who we are is the simplest. What is in your hand? And friends, as Jesus invites us to consider what is in our hand, you need to recognize the task is not about you. The task is about God. Because the mission belongs to God. And you and I are simply the instruments in God's hands. I wonder if you will remember the story where Jesus' disciples were worried about the thousands of people that were going hungry and pleaded with him to feed them. Instead of responding to their need, they, they pleaded with Jesus to send the crowds away and let them go and find their own food because it would have taken them half a year's wages to give them each a piece of bread, And the disciples thought that this would be too much. But Jesus instead wanted to feed the crowd. And he asked the disciples a very similar question to that of Moses. You give them something to eat. The challenge, therefore, was whatever is available in your hand, trust me with the rest. I will do the rest. I do not know what time you are finding yourself in within yourself and in your spiritual walk. I don't know what your practical circumstances are. I don't know if there is anything in your future that is intimidating you or whether you are overwhelmed by a challenge, one or the other. You may be worried about something and it is quite possible that God is asking you the same question as he asked his servant Moses. What is in your hand. The question brought about two things. Firstly, both Moses and the disciples had to do something immediately. And secondly, it led them to do what God was going to do. God is the one that is mighty, the one that is able to do far more than we can ever ask. The question God gently asks of you and me this day what is in your hand? And I now realize over the 20 years how often I've come to a place where I've actually considered this question, time after time. What do I bring that's new, that's different? Because familiarity ruins everything. The message is simply this. Do what you are able to do with what you have. In other words, step forward in faith. And trust God with the rest. I look forward to what God has in store for us. Trevor Hudson talks about the fact that you cannot... You cannot hold somebody with with clenched fists. You cannot embrace somebody. You can't give something with a clenched fist. So the embrace of, of giving that flows from your heart has to be with an open hand. So just imagine, God, what is in your hand? I stand in the presence of a mighty God that is able to use us as we move forward. And may you and I be blown away by what God will do in our lives. I invite you to pray for Clyde and for Mary Jane and for all of the preachers of the Lenten Wednesday evening services. Starting this Wednesday, I trust I will see you. That they who have what they have in their hands did not say no, but they said yes to being used in God's vineyard to serve him. I pray that you, like me, will go into this week and take action with what we already have within our hands. To serve a generous and an amazing God, because it is in him that we put our trust. Amen.